right, I got a quote for you. It's okay. kind of a long one, Hit but me. it goes with our talk today. It says, pride is a reason people do not feel they need a savior or forgiveness. Pride tells them they are quote-unquote good people or have a quote-unquote good heart. Pride also blinds people to their own personal responsibility and accountability for sin. Narcissism, or pride, masks sin, whereas the gospel reveals the truth that leads to remorse for sin. Narcissistic traits can be dangerous because, at their worst, they will lead a person to destroy others to satisfy the lust of the flesh. Wow. So we are talking about narcissism in marriage today, and mm. it's it feels like a really big yucky word yeah it well, kind of is because it's a psychological term but i was very convicted reading through it and i don't feel like i'm a narcissistic person but maybe i am at some level right but part of what we're going to be looking at today I know. is what does it look like in kind of the average person's life so well, narcissism how, yeah. how does it is, affect our marriage it's a spectrum it's a personality disorder that's on a spectrum so there are more severe cases of narcissism and more subtle cases of narcissism mm. And so I think today we're we're um, kind of <laughs> examining we're this question, this. Yes. Or this this revelation of so you married a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> now again, th- we'll, we'll get into what that actually means, but I don't know. We found the research to this uh, helpful, and uh, we hope you find it helpful as well. So we'll see you on the other side. Welcome to the Fierce Marriage Podcast, where we believe that marriage takes a fierce tenacity that never gives up and refuses to give in. Here we'll share openly and honestly about all things marriage, sex, communication, finances, priorities, purpose, and everything in between. Laugh, ponder, and join in on candid, gospel-centered conversations. This is Fierce Marriage. have this as the topic this week so where'd that come from just curious yeah well uh were you feeling narcissistic (laughs) i just it's one of these terms that is thrown out everybody i I hear you'll hear people talk online or whatever oh classic narcissism or he's a classic narcissist or uh, just i feel like it's thrown out but it's a clinical term for a personality disorder and so i'm always curious when i hear a word that you that i understand kind of in general I'm always curious to to dig deeper into the underpinnings of that word that has become kind of a more watered down version of itself, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so, and I found that by looking at the the deeper definitions of concepts and disorders and things like this, particularly around personalities, uh, around psychology, it always kind of triggers different uh, revelations, I'll say, or epiphanies around the human relationship that is marriage for me that's why i wanted to explore it so okay and i think your findings really um because selena did the majority of the research for this which i really am thankful for because uh, we have some exciting stuff that i've been working on and i can only focus on one thing at once <sighs> apparently <laughs> most people you are most people. multitasking is a myth by it the way. really is you just switch very it's quickly distraction between. versus dis- it's just distractions distractions yeah. not actually getting things done so my suspicion was that we would find out that it's, narcissism is rooted in selfishness and selfishness is rooted in sin. In that sense, we're all, in a sense, narcissistic. Mm. But, of course, there's a, there's a spectrum here. So, yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah. Yeah. So th- big thank you up front to our listeners, raters, and reviewers. If you have done that, thank you so much. That is the 
currency. This is the water that we swim in on the podcasting mm. platform. We need those ratings and reviews to get the word out. Yes. Yes, and thank you to our patrons. You know, we've we have this conviction that we are going to perpetuate the gospel in this generation no matter what it costs our family. And we're going to perpetuate the gospel namely in the spaces of marriage and now parenting which we're stepping into as parents. <laughs> But also, um, I think the website's going to be live. We have the website up for kind of information gathering purposes, but all the content is is now been organized, and it's coming together swimmingly. I'm very mm. excited about that. But that's kind of an echo of this commitment, this conviction that we are going to do whatever it costs our family. That being said, this is our full-time gig, yeah. um, doing what we do, this, this podcast here, uh, writing content, writing books. Um, basically continually pointing couples and families to Christ. So if you want to be a part of that, we would be honored and blessed. Uh, and you can do that through patreon.com slash fierce marriage. Um, and uh, it, there's benefits and things like that. I wanted to read a letter. We actually got a physical letter from handwritten letter, a handwritten letter from somebody. Um, and we, I am just blown away by this uh and i want to i want to make sure i get it's from brian and valerie brian and valerie so valerie wrote the letter um and it's just the sweet i okay and it's so great it, it was so encouraging and what it says is uh valerie i hope this is okay that we read this it's it's she just is so encouraging. She says, I have listened to many of your podcasts. They're excellent. You're a great team. Thank you for your digging deep into God's word to share our Lord's perspective on marriage. Ah, that is just, uh, just, <laughs> I don't know. It's just water to, to my soul. I, Cause that's what we want people to get from this is that God has a perspective on these things and that should be our perspective. Um, and then she, and then they contributed, they, they sent us. Uh, a contribution, check, and, yes, yeah, and it's just the sweetest. It was so, and she says, "Here's a contribution for your fierce marriage ministry. God bless." And I'm just like almost in tears of joy, just because <laughs> I could just sense the heart behind this. Anyway, that stuff really encourages us. It sustains our family um, in very tangible ways. Um, it puts food on the table for us. So thank you. That was longer than I had planned for that part. Yeah, well, and it it potentially not to instill fear, but it potentially preps for the future because we're not sure how long we will be able to talk about Jesus freely. So here's another thing, and not to be all conspiracy, whatever. No, you, you, I think it's good to just be aware. Apple Podcast is now cataloging and um, allowing people to search by the words you say in your podcast. Oh, wow. So what that tells me is, so if someone could say, I want to hear about gospel-centered marriage. And so if you type in gospel-centered marriage, me just saying that would then trigger the algorithm to feed you, theoretically, our episode, this episode, or whatever episode mentions that, but, ours or someone else's. Okay. The issue is, is now we're basically at the whim of whoever is mm. writing these algorithms. Right. And if for some reason they tried, they decide to suppress it and they say, okay, we want to get rid of anyone who talks about Christianity because they deem Christianity as bigoted or whatever, because people often do that because they don't understand because right. we actually are standing on an absolute truth. Therefore, we are being mean right. <laughs> by saying this is true and let's talk about what truth... And so there's there's a real risk that they could say, you know what, we're just going to put you down the list. Yeah, we're not going to, or we're You're just going to suppress first. that content. You're not welcome. Yeah. yeah. On the on on iTunes. Yeah. Or wherever that. Is. So anyway, by supporting on Patreon, that does uh, ensure a, a, a little bit more independence from those types yeah. of platforms. We can kind of we do have our own way of listening all that. But anyway, Patreon.com/slash/fierce-marriage. There's yes. a link in the show notes. 
All right. Sorry for all that. It's okay. I think final, it's good to... Oh. Final piece of business. Our dog, uh, we, some of Aww, you wrote in... Macy's doing so good, yes. guys. She's actually... She's gained weight. She is back to her perky, sassy, a little bit slightly obnoxious little self. And it's really great. Like, she is just walking around better than ever. I think she might, well, may have been... better than the last year, I'd say. Yeah. She may have been more sick than we knew. And I don't know. She just had antibiotics. And she's just great, guys. She's just eating looking for treats like she used to going yeah. up the stairs stronger <laughs> i mean just she is, uh, a new yeah. dog i'm like well i guess we're gonna hit 15 that marks in october we well, can do it it got to the point where I, I knew she could see my face but she didn't know it was me until she could smell you know because mm-hmm. dogs because they know your scent and all that yeah um but now i actually get the sense that she sees me mm-hmm. from you know more than 10 feet away <laughs> and she's so perky guys she, is. she so, really is thank you to you to all of you who wrote in through Instagram and Facebook, just kind of expressing your uh, empathy. Empathy. Thank you. Yes. So thank you for that. All right. So last week we talked about um, values and what do, what or who do our values reflect? Do they reflect our savior or ourselves or our own desires? And how do we know? Um, If you didn't listen to that, I would encourage you to definitely go take a listen um, this week we're talking about narcissism and marriage. So you married a narcissist. What hmm. does this look like in our marriage? How does it play out? How does it affect us relationally with each other and our walk and our, and our obedience to God? So hmm. there's, like Ryan said, narcissism is a psychological term. It's a, a noun, if a you want. A behavior disorder. to describe yeah. preoccupation with oneself, yes. Um... A narcissist is a person who displays a high level of selfishness, vanity, and pride. He sees everything from how does this affect me perspective, which that was kind of convicting because I think sometimes I do think that, but I don't mean to be like narcissistic about it. I'm I'm just more of like, okay, how is this going to affect the situation, which is then going to affect me. Anyways, that's a side note. We can go there in a minute. But um, empathy is impossible It's uh, for the narcissist because his only perspective is the one centered on self. So I, the mm. Google definition was excessive interest in or admiration of oneself and one's physical appearance. Oh, excessive. Excessive is, is so, kind of the key. <laughs> I, I'm laughing. Because, and I want to read the similar terms because it just paints a picture more broadly of yeah. what narcissism might look like in our lives. Yeah. Before you, before you do that, well, a little sidebar, I'm laughing because as a kid, I used to watch WWF back when it was called WWF. Oh yeah. I did I did too for some reason. <laughs> and the narcissist was one of the characters. Oh. And he was this guy that all he had was like this white basically speedo and like white oh, boots. Goodness. And he had like he looked like just like the picture of the early nineties, right? His hair is like <laughs> anyway, his whole thing was like he was so obsessed with how he looked and and, oh, and yes. that was part of his whole <laughs> shtick. So I'm laughing because I used to play the video game Royal Rumble and <laughs> the narcissist was one of the characters that I used to that we used to play around. So um, um, I do want to read one more definition from uh, a Dr. Carol McBride. Uh, it's from she's a columnist on uh, Psychology Today. A um, colonist, col- columnist, col- columnist. <laughs> Is like, that a word? Do we have colonists still? She write she wrote a column for <laughs> for this publication, and I felt like the way she described it. It's not a textbook definition, but the way she described it was very helpful to me. It says the label narcissist is used loosely these days, typically to indicate anyone who is vain and selfish. Okay, that's kind of the loose definition. But the true personality disorder and its traits run much deeper and carry long-term debilitating effects for mm. those involved with such people. 
if you were raised by a narcissist, narcissistic parent, or are in a relationship with a narcissist, you will likely feel more like an object to be used and manipulated to meet the narcissistic partner's goals or needs. You eventually realize your partner does not see the real you. It's a heartbreaking discovery. So, oh man! So you're so you, you you become just a means to an end, and that end is myself. It's complete self-absorption. Wow. Complete. Everything about you is to serve me because this house is to serve me. This podcast is to serve me. You are to serve our kids are to serve. And that is a, yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's terrifying. Yeah. So what do you got? So (laughs) you got some more similar terms here. Yeah. Just vanity, self-love, self-admiration, self-adulation, self-absorption. I know self-love. Self-love. Isn't that supposed to be something we are? Are you supposed to love yourself? I mean, yes, but. But yeah. what's the balance there, right? We'll we'll talk about that. Just let's, um, self-absorption, self-obsession, conceit, <laughs> self-conceit, self-conceit. That seems redundant. Well, self-centeredness, <laughs> self-regard, egotism, egoism, egocentricity, egocentricity, and egomania. So all the egos. Egomania. Egomania. That sounds like the WWF's narcissist. The narcissist <clears throat> special event. Egomania. Twenty dollars gets you the whole seat, but okay. you only need the edge. <laughs> you still remember all that. <laughs> <laughs> so listing these these similar terms out, it's kind of hard to hear because I think at some level we can all identify that we've been guilty of some of these, um, I don't want to say, I guess emotions or feelings or just ways of being. Habits, tendencies. Habits, tendencies. There's some good words. Um, but we don't want to admit that, right? At the deepest level of us, we don't want to admit that like we're self-absorbed or we're super selfish. Um <clears throat> Excuse me. I think it's way easier to judge you, Ryan, or judge my spouse in this area than to examine myself or ask the Lord, like, search me and know me. Help me to see these selfish areas of my life and my heart. I, it's just so much easier to be like, you know what? You're being really selfish in this area. <laughs> Let me just point this out for you. <laughs> um, but one quote that kind of encapsulates, I think, where we're coming from is, um, it's on got questions, but it's all people are narcissists until they either learn how to cover it mm. and get along in the world or until they recognize their own flesh and repent of their sin. Hmm. Yeah. But I think it's at this point, it's worthwhile contrasting in scripture. I know we're going to do this, but in general, you're speaking to a level of, um, self-absorption at one, somebody, somebody told me, or I was reading a, a book and they said, everybody sees themselves as the the main character in their story, right? Or they're the main actor, they're the hero of their story, and everybody are just supporting actors, or they are it's definitely uh, the flesh background and cast. sinful tendency, right? To just well, but then you, but then the, the author went on to say that everybody sees themselves as that way. So, like it's, when you start to realize that everybody you interact with sees you as a supporting role in their story, right? Uh-huh. And that is a kind of a human. That that's the human condition, right? We only have one true perspective; it's our own, and so we're constantly having to learn to empathize and learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. But the human tendency is to do that. Now, there is a, a certain amount of self awareness that we need to have, and it's a biblical call to know yourself, right? Mm-hmm. But there's, like we talked about last week, we tend to weaponize right. ideas that come from the Bible right. for our own selfishness. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So just a just a caveat, I think it's it doesn't need to be said, but I'm going to say it anyways, that all of our discussion happens under a biblical worldview. And I just want to be clear about that, because sometimes I think we get emails and 
comments about things that we never intended. And so everything we say obviously comes from a, a gospel-centered, biblical worldview. So when we define and discuss these terms, we are defining and discussing them within the context of the Bible and under its authority. So narcissism, talking about it through a biblical lens is different than talking about it, well, in terms of identifying it as sinful, right, versus just a bad behavior. Hmm, that's um, good. So... Again, narcissism is rooted in pride. Um, our flesh and our sinful tendencies um, are to operate in this way because we are born sinful, right? Romans 5.12 talks about how we are all, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because we all sinned. Um, so, again, it's part of our sin nature to live self-focused and to not look to the interests of others, but to live this way and only looking to our own interests is not how God has called us to live. Mm. Uh, Philippians 2, 4 says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So we see that we are not supposed to just ignore ourselves and look to everyone else, right? There's this, there's this stewardship, this balance of looking at our own and taking, looking after and taking care of our own affairs. But I think not being so overloaded with me and ours that we don't have enough margin and capacity to look right. to the interest of others genuinely. Um, That's a good point. And another verse that echoes that is kind of the golden rule, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. And that does, uh, right. Does, but we can only, we can only do that. Right. If we are able to love ourselves like accurately, you shall love Mark yeah. 12 31 is like, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment that's greater, but we can't, necessarily do that unless we are loving ourselves the way god has called us and not beyond that that's why i want to push back on that worldly concept of self-love yeah right <clears throat> because there's a lot particularly in uh quote-unquote christian or big evangelicalism there's a lot of authors that make sell a lot of books um promoting a worldly vision of self-love yeah. and self-worth and it's just kind of like hey you're enough sweetie and all this stuff Okay, I get it. You are in that God has made you in his image. You are in that. But that is that is not the starting point of mm. our worth. It's not the starting point of our love for ourselves. I, I would self-love just feels like the wrong term right here. I would say yeah. God has given me a mind. He's given me a body. He's given me a uh, all the abilities that I have. He's given me all the imperfections that all the things that I'm good, at, all the things I'm terrible at. Um, and that's the way I am. And that's good because I'm creating God's image for his glory. And so any part of myself, uh, sh I, I should steward that and appreciate that as an avenue through which I can glorify God mm -hmm. even more, even in my weakness, right. Paul boasts, well, right? Even, yeah, the more so in our weakness. Even more so in our weakness. So for me just to say to someone, hey, you know what? You're good enough. You're, you're love yourself first, and then you can love those in your world better i just think that the the whole starting point for that is wrong i right. think the better starting point is to say god has made you in his image and he's called you to glorify him therefore every aspect of yourself you should appreciate that as an opportunity to glorify him so good so good and therefore take care of yourself <clears throat> and do things in the name of stewardship so you can glorify god right and and in second timothy uh it talks about godlessness in the last days which really identifies this whole idea of narcissism and being a lover of self it says uh second timothy chapter three 
uh, verses 2 through 8. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Mm. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, Oop. proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid mm. such people. And we can go into six and seven, eight, but it's like, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, <laughs> burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. I just... Okay, that's I'm what not, we just talked about. I'm sorry. Exactly, but that's, yes. That, those are the books that, that we see are... Uh, we kind of have to... <clears throat> hold our tongues a little bit until we have a good opportunity to kind of confront some of our friends even and say, Hey, this, this resource is not, it's bringing deceit and it's leading you astray. And it's, well, again, I mean, and I always ask you you this, how do you know that, that it is, how do you, what's the gauge for that? And when it makes much of self versus much of Christ, that's a very good indicator that we're, this book is not hitting the mark here. It, yep. it needs to be making much of Christ. When when Christ is a supporting, um, yeah, a supporting role, like resource to whatever idea they're trying to mm. peddle, they're finding verses to bolster their idea. That's what happens in, I mean, in uh, seeker friendly preaching. I, mm. That's why we appreciate just just exegete, just just read this scripture, help us understand what scripture says. Right. Let it tell us how to think instead right. of saying we want to talk about this topic. So. That's why, honestly, marriage has been hard to talk about because there's only a few marriage <laughs> passages in Scripture. So you have to talk. <laughs> but to- we're dealing with sin- sinners, right? We're dealing with our own yes, selves. Yes. So I think in in this letter, you know, Timothy is saying here here's where here's the culture here's the water you're going to be swimming in in the last days and i'm like well i think we've been in the last days right since well, I know. I'm, after jesus left that was the, la- the beginning of the last days heartless um, unappeasable <clears throat> that feel that sounds like the angry mob right now um without self-control brutal mm. not loving good treacherous reckless swollen with conceit in other words i'm reading a book the death of expertise mm-hmm. and uh it's 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 uh, it's scary uh just to think of how uh students are coming into universities now with a complete flip. They're not going to learn. They're going to have an experience and they're going to basically critique their professors and the professors are no longer valued as mm. authorities in the subject matter they're teaching on. Instead, they're kind of just commentators that are facilitating whatever emotional experience the student deems appropriate at the time. Hmm. Their expertise is, is dead. Uh, there's a lot more to that. But anyway, that whole idea of, uh, of swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers. Anyway, these are all around self. I think these are wow. all wow. around like selfish desires, unchecked desires. Um, and so how does, how do we, mm, I'm how sorry. Do, okay. Can we read verse seven? So this is uh second Timothy three. I think we stopped at verse seven, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Hmm. So anyway, I just I wanted to bring that full circle as he's pastoring um, this this flock. Right. So, marriage and narcissism. <laughs> we've taken some time to kind of discuss what narcissism is. We've we've defined it. Um, in in the category, like psychologically, we've defined it under a biblical uh, authority that it is like rooted in sin, right? It is there's pride, there's our selfish flesh that is 
warring within us, right, of mm-hmm. our own desires versus what God desires for us. And so how what are how are what are some examples of of narcissism possibly in marriage? Where mm-hmm. are some areas that we could identify or some examples of how Maybe one of us is narcissistic uh, on the spectrum. I think we're all on the spectrum, right? But to what level? And how how would we go about identifying and combating that? Because just calling somebody out like that is obviously never good. So speaking mm. the truth in love, what does that look like? How how does God's word um, instruct us in this area? Well, I wanted to I want to make a quick contrast because I feel like. I don't want to conflate narcissism and selfishness too much because to me, narcissism has more of an insidious implication that it, it should. It's good. And that narcissism is more about, it, it victimizes more than selfishness okay. does. Yeah. Yep. In that a narcissist has an aggressive uh, side, right? More, yeah. That, a more malicious, like a, a more active. Yeah. Or it's, yeah. It, or it, it results in them being an aggressor, whether they mean to be an aggressor or mm, not. Yeah. And so when we ask ourselves, like, am I married? Am I a narcissist or am I married to one? And then what do I do if that's, if you have that revelation, you're like, holy, holy guacamole. (laughs) 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 I'm married to this type of person. (laughs) Sorry. This is what came to mind. (laughs) Love me some guacamole. (laughs) Mexican for lunch. (laughs) Um, So what do we do? And so anyway, the same article that I mentioned earlier um, it's Dr. McBride, Dr. Carol McBride. Uh, she has this list. There's 50 of them. It's like, is your partner a narcissist? It's a checklist. Mm. I think we'll just skim through it in here. I'm not going to read all 50. Um, <laughs> but the first one uh, is to me a telltale sign is when something goes wrong, does your partner blame everyone but himself or her or yes. herself? Yes. Just kidding. <laughs> Classic <laughs> narcissism. Classic narcissism. Uh, does your partner refuse to be accountable for his or her bad behavior? Mm. Um, and the example she gives is, you made me so mad that I couldn't help X, Y, or Z. Oh, man. I've used those words. Yeah. Or, um, I mean, sex is one of these ones that keeps coming up. And, yeah. uh, and people who struggle with pornography, husbands and wives, basically, like, you're not giving me what I desire. Mm. So that's why I sinned. That's why I, mm. I went to, to porn. Wow. That's a, that's a narcissistic thing to say is right. the, you're making it about you're not owning your own yeah. sin, your own folly. Um, does your partner believe he or she is always right? Mm. Um, and again, there are I mean, Selena and I have this recurring conflict um, hmm. is when we fight. Ladies and gentlemen, here's an announcement. We are not perfect. <laughs> Actually, this most is not of our... in the notes, people. So I'm just I'm here for the ride right now. I'm like, where's he going with us? Is a bus coming to get me thrown under? I'm just kidding. Just so you, yeah, just so you know, most of our fights happen on the days we record the podcast because yeah. we finally have bandwidth to deal with the stuff. Because we, mm, we, I think it's spiritual warfare. And that I, w- I would definitely not discount that element. But a recurring kind of refrain in our arguments is Selena will say to me. It's always my fault. And and I'll say, I, I will say, like, we, and my response is, we're arguing right now. We are at odds. So, of course, you think it's my fault. I think it's your fault. That's why we're arguing. And so, it's... She likes a, to be Captain Obvious. <laughs> but, but it's, but the, don't take this the wrong way, but we're realizing that's a manipulation tactic to, then you turn it, you become the victim. It's always my fault. I'm the victim here. 
but that's what the a, truth feels like to me. Right. But that's saying what I, that is a manipulation I, thing. Well, I'm not trying to be manipulative. I, well, I I'm know, trying to speak truth to you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Sorry. <laughs> the point I'm I trying to make. I thought that's the whole point of manipulation. <laughs> the, the point I'm trying to make is that our fights kind of show this tendency that we both, we always think we're right, but then there's an extreme side no, to it. No, I where just the, think you're wrong. <laughs> Doesn't necessarily mean that I'm right. I'm trying to point out <laughs> your wrong, your wrongness. You're getting a little peephole into our <laughs> our tough conversations, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, oh, but, but I, love I you. do think that narcissists have this kind of impenetrable armor around being wrong or right. So mm. a lot of times, what will happen in our arguments is we'll have. You know, you'll say things or I'll say things that we know that aren't completely right, but we just want to sound right or we want to be right. And then that's in the heat of the moment. Then we'll talk long enough to get around to, oh, hey, you know, you're right. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And you'll say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And we'll have a reconciliation. That ha- Well, a narcissist will never back down. They'll say, yeah, you're right. You are wrong. <laughs> I was right. And I'm still right. And that's right. You should apologize. And good night. <laughs> That's I mean, that's what I'm, I'm trying to contrast sure, between just sure. no, having an argument, being selfish, being kind of just an average person in this regard, and then the tendency toward actual narcissism, right? So hmm. I, I just I want to I don't want to water the term down. No, I think that's good. Um, there's, I, I, there's probably a few others in here that are helpful. Um, this one's a telltale one as well. Is is your partner unable to tune into your feelings or your children's feelings? In other words, can are they completely enabled to empathize? Well, yeah, because, I mean, the definition up above was, like, they aren't. If you're a narcissistic, if you're a narcissist, mm. like, on the higher end of the spectrum, I guess, then empathy is not something that you engage in mm-hmm. or maybe even know how to because, I mean, how does a person become so narcissistic, right? Are there, was there a hurt or a pain or just, a, like, mm. this is a self-preservation thing or is it really, like, a pride and selfish? I think there's just a lot of motivations to be examined that we can't just shy away from, but that we have to boldly go to with the Lord and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you in this. And mm. I think this is going to hurt and not feel good. And I don't like it, but well, well to answer your question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. To answer your question, you, you had said, how does a person become a narcissist? I think honestly, it is the trajectory of every person yeah. until they encounter the gospel. Right. And you wrote that in here. You said, uh, we are all narcissists until we, are met with the power of the gospel. So as an individual, that's that's your trajectory. If this world, if this life, it's all about getting all you can mm. out of this life for yourself, right? right? That, And many evolutionists would argue that's like the biological imperative, right? Mm. Survival, but survival to your own, like, yes, right. there's this tribal aspect of evolutionary theory, but it's but essentially it'll come down to like, am I maximizing my own desires, my yes. own interests? Yeah. Um, Right. No, mm. I think that's so good because the Bible, I'm just thinking of all of the boundaries, right? All of the rules or the reasons why the instruction that Jesus gives us, right? And the authority mm. that he gives it with and how he's not calling us to just die to ourselves, but he's calling us to live in him, right? Mm. And what is that? That dying to self is, it's it's painful. It goes against a lot of our feelings, emotions, it goes against sometimes maybe what we thought was right in some instances, but we are learning to 
and growing out of some level of narcissism in order to know how to trust God and his word and his authority in the situation. Um, I didn't realize we were doing this, but next week um, we're actually talking about what I would say is the antidote to, (laughs) to this. Yeah. Because you, uh, for sure. Cause, okay. So Jesus said, uh, even, even demons know my name and Mm -hmm. shudder, right? Mm -hmm. Just knowing of him, knowing about him, knowing he is king is not really what we're called to. We're called to worship him. Mm-hmm. And so there's a difference. It's Worship only happens when we realize that we're not supreme, that he is. Mm. And we can have all versions of false worship. And uh, and just, but it's really self-serving. And then we see that in Matthew 6 when the Pharisees are praying. Right. Or Matthew 5. It's, it's right before the Lord's Prayer, I believe. And they're praying so that everyone can hear and they're saying all the right things, but it's completely narcissistic and self-serving and it's manipulative because they're wanting to uh, appear a certain way and they're wanting to, to look right. a certain. And so they're praying, they're using yeah. the name of Christ to their own selfish gain. Right, right. So they're, they're, hey, we're talking about kind of the, 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 um, the antidote to this is what we're calling the secret ingredient, which I don't want to give away here because <laughs> you got to listen next week. Right. Uh, but um, So, yes, the Lord, I think... Oh, did you have another well, one you wanted to go through? I want so I want to go through some obvious examples of this okay. of narcissism and because I feel like there's some wives or some husbands listening to this, yeah, and they're gonna they just want to put words to what how they're feeling, yeah. So uh, this again, this doctor um, Doctor McBride, she has a book out. I don't know anything about the book, but since we're using this website, I want to use it. I want to at least tell you about the book. I think the book's called "Am I Will I Ever Be Good Enough?" Hmm. I think it, ha- yeah, so... Um, well, I have to read that with a, a biblical I don't know anything about it, so I just know that this, <laughs> yeah. this Psychology Today article takes from it. Um, does your partner... Okay, so does your partner seem unwilling to listen to you and hear your concerns? That's a sign. That's a check. That's a checklist item for narcissism. Is it all about your partner and his or her money, his or her time, their parenting time, their property, their wishes or demands? Oh, man. Okay. How do you tell someone this? Like... Especially your spouse, because yeah. they, I mean, you're not guaranteed they're even going to hear it, right? Well, but, uh, and, and that's <laughs> where prayer comes in, I guess. And a narcissist wouldn't. That's the, that's right. the crazy thing. And that's thing. where the prayer for the Holy Spirit and God to work and soften hearts and, wow, yeah. Okay, and here's a few that I think can seem very obvious, but I want to say them. Does your partner never ask you about you, your day, hmm. your feelings, even when passing, even in passing? Mm. Um, does your partner make you feel not good enough? Have your partner's constant put downs caused you to internalize this message that, mm. that in fact you aren't good enough? Um, is your partner constantly telling you what to do? Um, does your spouse tell different people different stories about the same event, spinning the story so that he or she looks good? Hmm. Does your partner lie? Does your spouse manipulate? Hmm. Does your spouse mistrust everyone? Um, this one, this one's telling. Are are the children uncomfortable with your partner, with your spouse? Do they love your partner, but at the same time they are reluctant to spend time with him or her? Mm, goodness. Yeah, and kids are kids are uh, hypocrisy detectors, right? <laughs> For they, sure. They, and they can tell when it's all about the person they're with, and not, right. and, they, and they're not interested with the children. And so they want adults to engage. Yeah. And and a narcissistic person is incapable of engaging on an emotional level. Yeah. Um, this one that you just stop for a second, please. <laughs> You're scrolling. I can't read. <laughs> Is your partner all about image and how things look to others? I mean, what 
a world we live in with social media and perpetuating narcissism, right? Hmm. It's, I, I'm not saying all social media is bad, right? We're on it. And, but are we, what are we sharing and why are we trying to gain affirmation or are we putting tools out there and resources for people? Right. And I mean, I've totally been guilty of, of wanting other people's approval and, you know, concerned about how I look and all of those things. And when those questions start arising and that, you know, I guess, I guess it'd be pride or like my confidence and insecurity is battling right between Mm. just resting and being enough in my savior and knowing that the work that Christ has done is enough for me. And these are things that he can work out in me, but these are not detrimental to how I'm going to live my life. Right. That under Christ's authority, I'm not going to submit to these other things, these other insecurities. This one, um, when you when you try to discuss your life issues with your spouse, do they change the subject so they end up talking about them and their issues mm. instead? Mm. Um, there's, I mean, there's fifty of these. So, well, uh, and does your does your spouse always have to have things his or her way? I think sometimes that f- feels like that can be the truth, right? Yeah, and mm. you may not want to admit that, but. I don't know. I think those are things you have to bring to your spouse and it's hard. Mm. It's hard. It's hard. Any of those things, just even if you're not a narcissist or you wouldn't mm. claim to be <laughs> said every narcissist, right? Um, this, this one I think it's is not good. easy to talk about these yeah. things. Yeah. Um, we'll get into this one. I think, okay. um, have you constantly felt a lack of emotional closeness mm. with your partner? As we mentioned, I feel like, uh, oh, I know, Narcissists in the clinical sense are an incapable of mm. emotional closeness because they're really incapable of empathy and listening. <laughs> and it's really hard to build a relationship with somebody when you never value what they say. Right. Or you always try to, to make it about you. Right. You're not interested in someone else. Right. You're only interested in yourself. And so these are all, again, they're telltale kind of signs. They're things to check off. I think if you had somebody, if you're married to somebody who checks off all 50 of these things, <laughs> then you, they're a severe narcissist. Sure. If they check out four, check off four once in a while, then they're probably just selfish some of the time right. in their centers. And, you know, as long, so as, you, we, right? as long as you both are acknowledging one of the, um, one of the ones here is, uh, they, they don't acknowledge, they seem to not have any, um, where is it? Uh, they, they, they don't have any sort of fixed sense of what's right and wrong. Mm. In other words, the, the truth is whatever serves them best. Right. That's why, again, right. it, you have, we have to focus on what is our authority, what is our truth. And the truth, it is God's word. It is the authority in our lives. That's mm-hmm. why Christians, I think, can, can can work through this stuff. Because if we submit ourselves to God's word, then we'll read verses like, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves. Well, uh, and it's, you know, I was reading to the Lord in in one of these articles, um, it talks about how the Lord helps us grow. The Lord helps people to grow out of narcissism, right? How through sanctification, uh, hmm. through daily redemption. Um, and it's from there, the believer is then empowered to begin loving others as himself, right? Mark twelve thirty one. the second is this, you shall love your neighbors yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. So loving the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength is the first one, obviously. And then loving, obviously, um, loving others uh but again this can't come from this can't come from a place of self it has to Mm, come out of the work of a savior which i think is again why the gospel is 
just hi- we're just highlighting the power right of the gospel of Jesus of his work on the cross um, mm. to bring us back to God to bring us out of ourselves to bring us out of making ourselves the center but making him him the center he is our authority like you said I just yeah. it just brings life to know that it is not about adjusting these behaviors of saying okay well I'm just going to talk about my spouse more or I'm going to you know, be more intentional about inquiring about them. But no, it's it's a okay, there's there's some things in my heart that are not right. They're always focused on me. And I do love my spouse and I do love God. So how can I Lord help me, lead me in this hmm. down this path of not narcissism, right? Selflessness, hmm. um, patience, kindness, all of those things. Love. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah, had the question here is how do we how do we combat it? And mm-hmm. again you just that's the big pictures. Yeah. We ask God that. So the very act of recognizing it mm. as a bad thing yes. as a, is like a miracle right. of the Holy spirit right. to make us aware of our sin. That's, that's conviction. Uh, and then to go to God and ask for help. That's, that's the beginning of, of healing in that area. So always the question is, well, what if they don't recognize it? And what mm. if they don't, if you don't recognize it, you can't ask for help. Um, and that's, I think, where I want to maybe spend a little time. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, man, well, if you're listening to this, you probably have a little bit of a, you're inclined to be self-aware uh, in this mm. sense. And you're inclined to care about how you uh, live in within marriage, how you love your spouse. So chances are people listening to this might be thinking about their husband or their wife saying, Oh, how do I approach this issue with them? Mm, they, mm-hmm. they, they're showing some of these signs. How do I bring that? How do I do that? Right. Every time we try to talk about intimacy, this happens. Or anytime mm. we are oh. dealing with our finances or talking about priorities in our family life, things are, it's just, I never feel like we can have an equal conversation. I'm always left feeling yeah. like I'm the bad guy. I'm the one wanting and it's all about them. You know, mm-hmm. there's just. They're impermeable. Yes. And you feel like you can't bring it up without it blowing up into some bigger argument where now you're the bad guy and uh, you're... (laughs) I mean, you may need to delete this out, but sometimes I feel like there needs to be that that blow up. That's that intervention, right? And when the Lord, I think... That's the peacemaking versus peacekeeping. Yes, and and walking in obedience. We are called to be obedient to the Lord and not always like responsible for the results right like i can't control but it's tiring and it hurts it is. and it, it is. sucks being in that kind of relationship and, and it sucks Sorry well yeah because you, you can't be have the blow-ups all the time they wouldn't be an intervention they'd just be a, a, a habitual like and then it becomes abusive cycle. it can become emotionally abusive right. and you can feel like you're always being kind of manipulated emotionally and, manipul- and it's just tiring right and so where is the hope um in this and so i we were on, so we had our guys night. We do it once a month with our small group, um, guys and four of us got together, went for a, a hike, a, a, a lot longer of a hike than I think <laughs> any of us were planning on. Anyway, uh, one of the, my good friends, um, was talking about how he's been talking to a, uh, a counselor and, you know, they've been just working through some stuff and it's been really positive for them. And, and this, one of the profound moments he shared was, uh, the counselor said, all right, I want you to draw a circle around yourself. And so he drew a circle. I don't know if it was metaphorical or literal. <laughs> drew a circle around himself. And the counselor said, that's how you can change. Mm. 
And and for for my buddy, this was like an epiphany. Like you know that in your head, you know that you can only change yourself, and it's kind of like can't not, change other people or their but responses. That was just an epiphany for him, and so I think for the spouse listening to this, you have to you have to resign yourself to that reality yeah. that you only have so, and even then you only have a little bit of control over your over over you your have what God gives us. Yeah, and so and it, it's it's you can control yourself. In other words, you can control. Uh, where you go to get your peace, you can go, you can control how you are viewing your spouse, either through uh, a human lens, a fleshly lens, or a, a spirit-filled lens, or biblical lens, viewing them as somebody who God is maybe going to use to sanctify through this. Mm. Having those hard fights, like Selena was saying, like mm-hmm. fighting to, for real, true, biblical peace, not just quietness in the home, yeah. but peace in the home, harmony in the home, mm. um, fighting for that, that will come from a place that only you can control and right. that's where you can you, you you choose to believe yes and stand on the promises in scripture with that said uh it's completely up to god and it's completely between god and your spouse to have their heart begin that transformation process god yeah. can change hearts yes. god does change hearts you cannot right um and Honestly, my heart was changed only not because I said, God, I want to change my heart. I didn't even control. That was a God imposed that on me where he basically, you know, we're, we're reformed in that sense that there's this there's this idea of irresistible grace mm-hmm. and that God has uh, called me and I couldn't, I, I, I was helpless mm-hmm. to refuse it because it was irresistible to me. Mm-hmm. And now, now I have agency in terms of how the sanctification works out. So that's what we believe. And that's what we believe scripture teaches. So there's a sense of peace and, and you can kind of like breathe right. a sigh of relief saying like, it's not up the to control. you. Yeah. And ha- hand over the reins to the mm. one who created the reins. Right. <laughs> yeah. And rest mm. and trust in him. And I think that is beautifully said. Good job, Ed. And then where do you go from there? Okay. So you've relinquished control. You're praying. You're loving well. You're loving them as selflessly as you can. It's a battle every day, but you're doing it and you're, you're best. Uh, and you're trying to speak truth in love. That's mm. another step is now you speak truth in love. Uh, and sometimes no matter how truthful, how loving you are, it's still going to result in conflict. Um, but seeing that that's a, a mark of Christian yeah. reconciliation and, and being willing to pay that, that cost. Mm. And then uh, going to outside help. Okay. So if you're living with a narcissist, uh, go to a counselor, go to a biblical counselor, a pastor and clue them in. Yeah. And get help in, in how to cope and how to deal and how to, how to love this person well. And then if if possible, get them to come. And yeah. sometimes a third party will be the one that helps open their eyes. And, and you know, sometimes it takes a kind of a cataclysmic event to make, to soften their hearts mm. to the pl- they kind of rock bottom, so to speak, whether they lose a job or they, you know, something, God forbid, something happens health wise or whatever, um, would take them to realize what really matters. And it's not them. It's, it's, it's the relationships, the people that God's put in their life. So, Look to Christ, uh, stand on his word, uh, love well, mm-hmm. pray, get help. Yeah, bring right. people in. Don't go at it alone. Yeah, make sure you're not yeah fighting this alone. Yes. That's good. So, all right. Well, I think that kind of wraps up our conversation for today um, about narcissism. We are so grateful for your time and mm. uh, yeah. your resources in prayer and in yeah. contributing to Patreon, if that is where God leads you both. I wanted to make mention of this resource we have that honestly, I feel like it's, um, it's one of my favorite ones that we've created and Mm -hmm. it's our 40 prayers, Mm -hmm. um, 40 day prayer journey is Mm -hmm. what it is. 
And so it's two books, just quick description here. It's two books of 40 days of prayer. And there's, it's like, it take you two minutes to read through the prayer. And what it is, it's meant to be a response to scripture. And so mm. it's interlaced, interwoven with scripture in that our prayers are a response to scripture. But the whole point of it is it's a journey in that you start the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Um, recognizing that you that we need God's intervention in our marriage if we're ever to have the health and vibrancy and flourishing that we're called to. And so we start with a kind of an audit. You say, how would you rate your communication? How would you rate your intimacy? How would you rate your emotional intimacy? Mm. How would you rate all these things? There's like 10 different things, and you rate it on a scale of 1 to 10. Then you commit to a 40-day journey mm. in this regard, and you pray every day. And every seventh day is a break day, and, you, and there's spots to journal and all that. And you always start with the scripture and it probably takes five minutes a day. Um, and then at the end of the 40 days, you go back mm. and now you, you, you catalog, Reassess, how has yeah. God worked mm. as I've handed my marriage over to him, as mm. I've trusted him with this, these parts of my spouse's heart that I have no control over, these mm-hmm. parts of our, our circumstance that I have no control over. How has God grown us through this prayer journey? Mm. And also studies show that it takes four to six weeks to create a habit. So mm. kind of one of the byproducts is that you have this habit of journaling and praying. Yeah. Um, so anyway, go to 40prayers.com. Um, you can get both at the same time, or you can just buy the 40 prayers for my husband or 40 prayers for my wife. Um, it's one of my favorite books that it was, mo- it was the most um, helpful for me to write personally, I think. Mm. Um, anyway, I'm going to say a prayer. Speaking of prayers. And then, um, and then we'll, we'll sign off. Sound all right? All right. God, thank you for, huh, thank you for this time with these listeners. I thank you for your word that mm. is so authoritative and so helpful and so hope filled in mm. our lives. I pray for the spouses, um, listening to this, that you would strengthen them uh, with your joy, with your hope, with your peace. I pray for the spouse listening to this that feels like, uh, feels hopeless, that feels like they're married to somebody with this personality disorder of narcissism, mm. um, extreme selfishness. And I pray that you would uh, give them wisdom with how to proceed uh, toward health. I pray that you would bring people into their lives that could speak into, um, into their hearts in meaningful ways and penetrating ways that would get through. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd soften hearts mm. all around. You'd soften hearts. Only you can turn a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. We're asking you, please do that work mm. in these married couples' lives. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. Okay, I just want to make a quick reminder. Uh, if you want to be a part of supporting this, you can do so at patreon.com slash fierce marriage. It would mean the world to us. And uh, it does sustain our family very tangibly and this ministry very tangibly. There are perks, but do it because God leads you. Um, and we would really appreciate that. Other than that, we will see you next week. We're going to talk about the secret ingredient. On- <laughs> to a thriving marriage. To a thriving marriage. Yeah, it's not so secret. It's actually very obvious. That's why we okay, didn't say it very Okay, <laughs> You're killing it. I don't know if the title is going to be that. Anyway, make sure to tune in in seven days. Other than that, this episode is... In the can. And uh, thank you so much for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. I think you got mixed up. Um, how do I Until usually then. end it? <laughs> Stay fierce. <laughs> Sorry, I'll just do that one. Thank you for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. For more resources for your marriage, please visit FierceMarriage.com or you can find us with our handle at Fierce Marriage on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We hope it's a blessing. Take care.